beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing. There is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. Justin is one of those people whom I liked the first minute I met him. I found him really intriguing. I always, I always enjoyed listening to him whenever we saw each other, but I was always just one of the people in the group. I think I found his keen intellect quite intimidating. It took a while before I approached him one-on-one. -on -one. Today I am very happy that I pushed to make a friend of him. Although he moved away from Somerset West, I enjoy staying in touch with him and I keenly follow him on social media. It was when I saw pictures of him in the Okavango Delta that I realised the time has come to pin him down for a meet me in the field chat. It was my own jealousy that made me want to speak to him. With nature being my higher power, I really wanted to find out if and how nature has an effect on his spiritual life. This podcast is supported by the first layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There is also a 24-day step coaching and counselling program available based on the first layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. This is Justin's story. Sit back and enjoy. <laughs> Justin, how are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Freddy. I'm very, very glad to hear that. Yeah. Welcome to Meet Me in the Field on this most glorious, glorious Saturday afternoon. Yeah, From the angle that I'm sitting, I can see a part of Table Mountain. Oh, that will be... That's not Lion's Head. What is that? That's, that's the... Uh, Devil's Peak. That's Devil's Peak. So I'm looking at Devil's Peak as we're speaking. And it's there's not a cloud in the sky. There's a huge crane, but um, <laughs> and not a beautiful bird crane like in a building crane. <laughs> Justin, how long have I known you? Um, it would be going on about, just must have been two and a half years back, okay. right? two to three years ago. Cool. Right? Yeah. And I got to know you in Somerset West. That's right. You moved back to Cape Town for a job. That's right. And yeah. that is how I decided that I need to talk to you mm. for, for Meet Me in the Field. Because, number one, I became viciously jealous <laughs> <laughs> when I saw your, your pictures of the Okavango Delta <laughs> yes. on Facebook. And I thought, this is not fair. This is my big, biggest bucket list item. And there you are. <laughs> so you're working in travel. Yes. yeah, I work in And travels. you seem to be thriving in it. Is this something you were ever interested in yeah it's not it's not something that i ever thought i would be involved in certainly not from the aspect that i am i think um but strangely enough looking back kind of all the little steps and missteps along the way i can definitely see how they equipped me for for this job specifically but it wasn't ever something that when i was younger i thought this is what i'll do i want to be in trouble yeah i don't think a lot of people um go think about it in that sense yeah. i mean you think you everybody wants to travel it's the thing that you see listed if somebody's got a bias Absolutely, i want to yeah. travel but to actually find a means to do it and and to make a part of your livelihood i think that's quite rare and it's yeah, very, very grateful for that. What did you want to be when you grew up? When you, when you grew up, good God, Freddie, oh. your tenses. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow, that's a good question. I, I can't ever remember having a distinct idea. I think I was always quite open open to things. And, and for me, I think when I got to the point where I was having to make decisions around that, um, I studied, etc. I always tried to keep it as open-ended as possible. 
Um, so I never wanted to restrict possibilities for myself, which I think ironically ended up restricting possibilities for myself because I didn't want to step in any direction. So I ended up just standing still. Um, so yeah, so this job, in many ways, it was also a commitment to that, to actually being able to follow through and being able to, no matter which way it takes me to, to stay the course. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's, it seems to be working out quite well so far. Why do I get the feeling, or do I actually know this, that you studied philosophy? I did, yeah. Cool, okay, so I, yeah. I knew it. It wasn't, yes. <laughs> it's not a kind of a, 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 a mystic feeling. No, that no, no. <laughs> no, so I did. I did philosophy, um, I did politics. My kind of towards the end of it uh, focus was on political theory um, with a little bit of philosophy. Actually, strangely enough, now the area that I focus on in travel. Southern Africa um, was my area of focus uh, okay. with its studies as well. Um, but that was just coincidental. That's really wasn't... A, I never... Uh, when I was doing all of that, I had no awareness around the travel aspect. So it's all very new knowledge to me. Um, this journey is very much uh, uh, a new chapter. Yeah. Have you started thinking of combining your travel experience and knowledge with future studies? Sure, that's a good question. Um, yeah, not at, not at this stage. Oh, actually, you know what? I really have studies in a very different direction, not in the, not in the traditional academic sense that I'm used to, um, but I have already started investigating, doing things like uh, field guide studies, ah. the uh, Fagasa. Um, nice. Exactly. So that's what I'm wanting to do. And you just start because I go on all these different, go to these different places and I'm on safari vehicles a lot, uh, you start picking up little things here and there and it's definitely an interest of mine. Um, I don't think I'll ultimately be a guide, but it's for uh, self-growth. Self, uh, Self-enrichment. Self-enrichment. You just it. reminded me that I went through a phase of my life where I wanted to become a game ranger. Oh, really? I wanted to be a Wolpewarder. <laughs> okay. I completely forgot about that. I first, my first memory is I wanted to become a king. Okay. <laughs> not ambitious and they're <laughs> always joking to say, say, say and then I became a queen so I didn't, I didn't end up too far away from that <laughs> and then the next one was a Wildbevarder yeah that's fascinating and then I in standard 6 I think we, we had to read a book you know the pre this prescribed book if you want somebody to hate something yeah. prescribe a book on it for at school yeah. Yeah. and then we, we had to read Lady Dachbuch von der Voltbewarder, from the okay. diary of a, of a game ranger. Yes. And I hated the book. Really? I hated it. Yeah. And that put me off game ranging Yeah, I think, it's, <laughs> I think it's an interesting one because that's even in the field of, of game rangers, what I've come to realize is it goes so many different directions. Um, and you, you mentioned uh, kind of seeing photos and that of me in the Akabanga Delta, also realizing how people... Um, on their own journeys will move from game ranging into uh, maybe personal game ranging and then it'll be more uh, media based kind of social influences around that field and then go into conservation awareness. I just want to say the conservation thing should be absolutely yeah so that's a big part of it and it's uh, also in terms of the places that I'll, I'll use in my job uh, for for clients and guests they in turn are very into conservation and so it's a very um, it's a it's a vibrant field to be in and it's something that you can easily get passionate about I mean yeah. just yesterday we had somebody in here from Namibia um, and he was talking about all these projects that they're putting in place and it's really it's it's inspiring um, 
stuff I think I think a lot of colleagues don't really see it that way they're more about just the day-to-day yeah. job but for me it really I can see how down the line there are options available to me to not necessarily stay stuck in this one position yeah. so in a in a weird way that earlier thing that I always had of not wanting to step in any direction to close off options I found that by committing you're actually opening up those options so yeah One of those paradoxes of life yeah exactly lovely lovely yeah. just thinking about it Probably about this time, in two weeks' time, I'll be arriving at a private game reserve for a week holiday. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Where are you off to? If you ask me the name of the place, I'm going to lie because I don't know. But it is on the Limpopo River. So if you sit on your stoop, you look into the Kruger. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. A friend of mine called me in March on my birthday and she said, "Uh, I've got this week timeshare and I don't want to go alone. So can I give you a birthday gift of a... Game hol- game yeah. lodge holiday. Amazing. And I was humble enough to say yes, I'll appreciate. No. Yes, <sighs> yeah, I'll accept. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. Okay. <laughs> so I'm so excited. Yeah, I, no, I'm so because for me that has become the ultimate in a spiritual space. Space yeah. for me. Yeah. So talk about spirituality. Looking at your photos mm. of your recent trip, there was such a sense of you, of you belonged. Mm. And that's what, what made me think I want to talk to you. Mm. Do you feel, is nature part of your spirituality? Mm. Where do you stand spiritually? Yeah, it's actually funny. I just got little chills when I was thinking about that space and being being there. I mean, where I stand spiritually is, I think, just a bit of background. Is I, I came from a very, uh, from a Methodist home, but in terms of religion, so not spiritual side of things, but a very soft and gentle uh, Home. Yeah, in Cape Town, or where did you Cape grow up? Cape Town, yeah. Okay. So I grew up in Cape Town, and I think okay. traditionally it's been a, it's a little bit more liberal, a little bit more open-ended than perhaps other parts. Central Methodist Mission, or uh, no? This was in it was the Methodist Church in Pinedon, so okay. I, that was where I kind of cool. hailed from. But at a very young age, and you mentioned my interest in philosophy, I found myself moving away from the church. Um, I couldn't; it didn't account for many of the answers that I uh, questions that I had, and I think a lot of people in this day and age find themselves in a similar position. Um, so I started exploring other avenues, and I considered myself an atheist for many years. Um, yeah. I'm going to interrupt you, there, but I can see you kind of being a little pain in the ass in class. <laughs> yeah, I think I was. <laughs> Asking all the difficult questions that a teacher would prefer not to answer. That's, that was me, yeah. I, got, I can, I can see that, yeah. I mean, it's strange, because I don't ever think I was... I was a bit of a paradox, I guess, in that sense, as I was never a belligerent rebel questioner. But I always had the question. You wanted you know? to know. I just wanted to yeah. know. And so teachers will see that as arrogant and, and yeah. count, counterproductive. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think they get offended sometimes yes. if you're asking questions that they don't, can't answer, either unable to answer or that flow against what they, exactly, they feel. Exactly. Yeah. What, what's in the curriculum? Exactly. What's in the <laughs> curriculum. So, so that was kind of my background and that's where I found myself. But I have definitely found sort of uh, a place now for my spiritual side and, and it tends to I tend to find myself and again I think this is in keeping with how a lot of people experience it is in nature and so I do a lot of hiking uh, I spend a lot of time outdoors specifically when I'm going to these destinations that I'm going to a lot of what I do revolves around wildlife um, and uh, safari life if you will um, there's something about that kind of getting back to basics and, and being able to just see life, the cycle of life, unfettered, not with all the 
pretense and the, the stories that we no filters exactly <laughs> exactly and it's crazy I mean I was watching a, watching a documentary a little earlier today about this kind of thing is how in society and, and in China I think they're doing it now is they're starting to allocate points for social um, your social rating if you okay. will and people get denied a certain uh, denied bus passes or get denied certain entry or based on this rating which is fairly arbitrary and I feel like a lot of the way that we live our lives whether consciously or unconsciously has come to revolve around these these ratings that we feel or these kind of how we think other people are perceiving us yes. and that can take place on so many levels it can take place on an interpersonal level in the flesh it can take place through social media but I just find that when I get into those spaces all of that largely falls away and it's a it's really a, a great kind of leveler and a great grounder and just gives you perspective so it definitely catapults you back into that space of where I really stand in the big in the grand scheme of things and I think also for me what I've I noticed this most recent trip that I did was which was a little bit of a longer one is because I live in the city and all my activities take place in the city I work in the city it's very is the constant kind of buzz and noise that's happening in the background with just life with human life going on and that can be very overwhelming and I think you notice it when you've been away and you come back into it it can be very overwhelming and then you kind of adapt to it and you settle back into the mode yes. so this time around it was quite an adjustment for me to to realize that this is all taking place because there's nothing you can really do about it yes. you can kind of try and find your touchstones and I think in terms of spirituality that's something that I've I have gone back to again after a bit of a hiatus is meditation and just trying to create a space where that quietness can be allowed back in a little bit um, it's still difficult when you've got cars outside and the refrigerator buzzing and this and that but um, just to try and uh, and uh, consciously focus in on that that zone is um, I think it's it's more than just uh, it doesn't just add to my life. It's necessary for me to maintain maintain the level. I can do it, not do that for periods and stretches at a time, but I definitely go off kilter and I sit and I feel unwell and I feel irritable and I feel like something isn't right. So the best things can be happening, but if I'm not if I'm not doing those things, um, I definitely don't feel as if I'm in a great space. Yeah. So am I hearing correctly that meditation is? one of your spiritual practices absolutely yeah it, it is it, it's been an interesting journey with that I, I, it's always sort of since I started adapting a spiritual way of life that's been a central tenet um, but I also you can find or I found with meditation that I slipped into a kind of a comfortable zone where I was really just checking boxes so I'd wake up in the morning I do my kind of say this little mantra that I say and uh, then meditate but it would be I wouldn't really be present and slowly the time sort of allocate 25-30 minutes for that the time that I was actually being able to focus in on it or not focus rather just gradually depleted to the point where I would be kind of getting up and going to brush my teeth or going to I usually do it in the morning or going to do other things without even realizing that I'd stepped out of the space that I created for okay. myself so I think it's a it's an ongoing thing to kind of recalibrate, yeah. I was so excited this morning, I use an, a meditation app called Insight Timer. Mm. And this morning's meditation, I'm, a, I'm half OCD, so I go down the list of meditations. So this morning, one 
the guy said, you can either follow his voice or you can let your, your attention drift. And I was kind of, you yippee! Yeah. <laughs> because my, it, I, I work so hard yes. at, at, at keeping my attention following the voice yes. that I suppose I nearly feel anxious in the meditation yeah. space. Yeah. So this morning, I was given the freedom for, for, for the attention to drift. Mm. And actually the voice kept me quite involved. Anyway, just, just the freedom to let my attention go allowed yeah. me to actually focus on the <laughs> yeah, which is interesting. on the meditation. Yeah, it is interesting that you say that because I also I'm a very, very fixed thinker. Um, and I oftentimes feel if I haven't done something all the way, uh, or what I deem to be in that moment all the way, uh, then I haven't done it. But that's I mean, and that's really the journey, generally speaking, is it's really not about that. Exactly. It's not about doing it right. Yeah, it is, it's about it, the doing. It's about the doing. Exactly. Totally it's so. the practice. So, um, yeah, so I think that's also, I think with where I'm at, that, that's very much part of it now is kind of that acceptance of uh, I'm never going to have this perfect balance. I'm never going to have this perfect structure, but I can try and orient my life in such a way where I'm doing things that promote that feeling in me and, and allow me to drift in that space and certainly for me the travels mm. travel's been a big part of that it's been coming in increasingly and um, on the flip side of it it does mean I work exceedingly hard uh, too much <laughs> uh, definitely too much in order to be able to have those opportunities but it's uh, it's something that I came into this job knowing that I would do I, I very consciously said to myself new career for two years I'm going to give it my everything um, and I was in a position to do so. I was single and uh, had that time to allocate to it and kind of uh, getting my getting my life uh, back up and running. So, yeah, but now I, I think that uh, you can only do that for so long. You know, you can only focus in on one thing for so long before yeah. you start feeling feeling the lack of in other areas yes. of your life. It's like life, find mm. balance. We need to we need to try to find some form of balance. When you're traveling and when you're out in these, let's call it bundus, mm. do you also take time to meditate? Yeah, so I, I have done it. I mean, that's, it's not a definite. So I sometimes do, I sometimes don't. I was actually very fortunate on my most recent, and this is, this is interesting, trip. I got the opportunity to go with my cousin. Well, I invited him along. He's actually also, strangely enough, philosophy. He's a oh my word. Yeah, recently resigned philosophy professor. He was at UCT. Oh, I would. Yeah, with um, quite a young family, and he, it wouldn't. And contrary to popular belief, academics work really, really hard. Um, and earn little money. And earn little yeah. money. So they. I <laughs> know. Oh, I'm married to one. <laughs> okay. There we go. So you're well aware. So it's it's long hours. Um, it's very high expectations. I think particularly around the climate in South Africa at the moment and it's you're always on a bit of a knife's edge walking on eggshells around what you can and can't say can and can't do so it was just fortuitous that my cousin found himself in this place where he happened to be available oh fabulous yeah and it's it's very i mean you you think if you offer you mentioned that you're taking up this opportunity to go away but you think if you offer somebody a, a trip as such that uh, they necessarily would just be like oh, i don't know i'll drop everything but that's not life exactly you know, yeah. suddenly disappear for two and a half weeks is not not easy. Um, especially with a wife and children. So, especially with Honey, you know, I, got, I yeah. got this opportunity. That's it, yeah. Um, so when are we going? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my, my philosophy with these kinds of trips now has very much been to try and get uh, friends and family, kind of people who are in for the long haul. Um, it's easy to kind of drift off in the romantic because it's a romantic idea. But Absolutely. at the same time, I think 
the the couple of t- people that I've taken who otherwise may not have been able to go. Um, it's been a yeah, just to see that kind of their, them experiencing it mm. has been something something else. So he got to go with me, and uh, he recently has very um, much immersed himself in kind of mindfulness uh, meditation, oh, cool. and so he was doing that, and he does yoga and all of that. So he was going about it during the course of the trip, but I was very much not feeling it in that way. Like for me, the way that I found it is so not in terms of allocating a set time as I normally would have done for say meditation. Um, what I would find is that moments of solitude, not designated moments of solitude, but where I would find myself in a quiet space, or not even, I mean, there might be other people around, but sitting on a boat, like on the Zambezi River, mm. um, just with the quiet, really, and being able to kind of uh, allow that to take place. And, and it's very easy. And I think this is why yeah. travel is such a huge thing for people, because it really puts you outside of your patterns of behavior, puts you outside of those things, those constructions that you've built up um, and kind of throws you into a, a completely new environment. So you, while our minds are very strong and try to pull us back in that direction, if you, if you make an effort to, to open up to it, um, I think that's why it's so easy to find that spiritual side of things, probably what you saw in those photos. Yeah, so that's, that's really how, it was, how it's been for me. Recently. Something else I'm hearing is, and the picture I had was, oh God, there's a poem, and I can't remember who wrote it, called Winter. Mm. And in the poem, the poet refers to winter as the paragon of art. Because what winter does is, it strips, it's like a tree, it strips the tree of all the leaves and all the bullshit. Mm. And what you're left with is the pure basics and that makes it the, the paragon of art because you show what's really there. Mm. And it's nearly as if I, I, I hear you saying that this is what nature does for you, what, what, what spirituality is for you, is to strip away the bullshit yeah. and to be left with the, with the raw basics. And that connects you to you. Yeah, that's a fantastic... I mean, that, that's pretty much spot on the way that, that I, I see it. Um, yeah, it just it allows you to cull away all that nonsense and... It's very easy, and I mean, this is the possibly a downside to the job that I do, is that you are in an office environment. Um, there's quite a, and it's quite a high pressure job. Um, there's lots of money involved, obviously, and um, uh, tight deadlines and all of that. But also just, uh, I'd, I'd never been in a traditional office space before, prior to coming into this job, ever. It had always been uh, fluid and outside of the space. I worked in film for quite a while, so my office Talk space, about fluid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Literally, office is a different place exactly, every other yeah. day. So, coming into this environment, it was a huge, huge learning curve for me. Um, and it put me well outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. Because I, at various points in my life, have kind of detached from everything and wanted to just bubble and, and be away from people. And, and, uh, and I think maybe, I mean, oddly now, when I say it like that, maybe kind of trying to search for that, like you just, uh, that bare tree, if you will, but being stuck in a zone where you're unable to access that um, to really do the necessary kind of stripping um, needed. So... Anyways, but in terms of the office space, it can get quite nitpicky, it can get quite cynical, it can get quite um, just people, you know, it's people doing what people do. So you do that for a few months at a time, it can be quite easy without any kind of pressure valve release. Uh, You can really start to feel it and and start feeling like, you know what, I don't really want to, not that I don't want to go in today because of the work, I'm 
very passionate about my work and creating um, these trips for people but it's just like ah oh, that person's just walked in the door I wonder what it's going to be today it's oh, going to be God, some yeah. sigh I can hear the sigh I can see the walk anticipating the drama and before anything's even happened your day is kind of off to a bad start the opportunity to kind of get away from that for a little bit is good it to just, strip that yeah yeah to strip it all to strip away and like start afresh and start anew and it's a again I, I said before coming back this time was different because I was acutely aware of not only so- sights and sounds and that but also noticing how I myself would mold that or shift back into that other place so it's it's really not I don't think you can go off and kind of find Zen and then and then just carry it with you it's a it's a very active thing <laughs> um, I wish it were that way but yeah, it's it's that's been something that's kind of been flagged with me, and it's it's also now it's, it's three weeks I think since I got back. So when you asked me to do this, I thought, oh, what a wonderful kind of opportunity and reminder of that, that awesome. side of life. Yeah. A question I can't get out of my head is, did you ever tell your parents the way you started feeling about religion? Hmm. Yeah. So I was I was very fortunate. I was in a little bit of a tricky position with that. Owing to the so my, my dad was quite sickly through much of my teenage years and I do remember at various points um, struggling with various forms of cancer um, and mm. then a bone marrow transplant a little bit down the line but I do remember it's weird it's I haven't actually thought about this but I do remember there was a significant moment where I wanted to broach I wanted to kind of formally say you know what I'm not I'm not going yeah. to do this anymore it's not for me but kind of waylaying it out of out of not concern but respect. I just didn't respect, want to yeah, you respect. don't want to upset somebody exactly who's not but I think actually in retrospect my folks were never like that so I was very fortunate and it was never a case of them ramming down my throat it? okay um, it was more of a gentle but this is the way that we view things and and they also, I think, maybe being versed in other, in other areas of recovery and such, um, they had an understanding that, or rather that they were open to other forms of spirituality outside of the, okay, the mantle cool. of religion. Oh, okay. Yeah, and <laughs> they were never... My <laughs> <laughs> the picture I've got in my head, sorry, I can't help this, is kind yes. of... Um, Mom, Dad, I've got something to tell you. <laughs> what is it, my son? Um, I'm gay. No, I'm just joking. I don't believe in Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> the big chopper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which 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 one will, will go down? Okay. Yeah, exactly. No, and I think with my folks, I mean, I and I really was blessed in the sense is I think that they were irrespective. I could have told them kind of anything, oh, um, wow. and they would have been loving and supporting. So I was very lucky in that way. Yeah. It was never. A, yeah, there was never a defining moment where I did it. I think it was just more kind of an easing away from that way of, of looking at religion. I maybe was quite vocal about it, um, but their response was never harsh. Never judgment. Never, you yeah. are going to burn in the warm fires of hell. Absolutely. I think my, my parents, I mean, in many ways, it's interesting because I think my dad, especially, and I, and I made mention of the fact that of his very stage of illness, I mean, he, and I think through all of that and kind of through facing his own mortality as such, came to develop a very, very almost Buddhist, almost Buddhist-like um, view of the world. So he still had his mode of, of accessing spirituality, but he was very kind of at peace with the fact that ultimately we're all going to the same yeah. point. Ultimately, it's all the same kind of 
my, the many routes to the mountain type idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not, there's no one set way that we need to go about finding this thing. Um, whatever this thing might be to you, I think it's more what gives you that sense of peace and ease and, and whatever speaks to you in that way, pursue that and kind of see where it goes. Another thought that popped into my head now is, now Justin is a teenage boy, and with what I'm hearing is a father who's very ill. Mm. Surely that must also put you in touch with your own mortality yeah. at a very young age in your life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely think that I was, I've always been that sort of thinker. Um, I've always reflected very deeply on things and been very sensitive to that. Um, so, yeah, in turn, I, it's almost weird as I kind of rebelled a little bit against that, um, that notion of mortality, uh, certainly in my early 20s and through my 20s and kind of late teens as well. I had a very much a devil-may-care attitude, and I think that was how it manifested. My experience of that was kind of like, you know what, what's the point anyways? Okay. Um, ultimately, this is where we're going to wind up. Yeah. And I mean, I, I recognize now that I was grappling with far deeper issues than, than what I understood at the time. Yes. And I think a lot of people do. And you, you adapt an approach that's at the time best suited to kind of speaking to those, uh, that malaise or whatever it is, those, those issues or that discontent that you feel. Yeah, and for me, unfortunately, went down kind of darker path, trying to find a remedy to those feelings, knowing that I wanted to embrace life, but I didn't quite know how to do it because all I really saw around me was not just unhappiness, just not, yeah, I mean, that's the easiest way to put it, I think, is just, just an unhappy world, really. And it can be difficult. I mean, even now, it's kind of on the other side of that, that period of my life, it's easy to get drawn back into viewing things in a negative frame. Because you're now kind of going to my next question. So are you connecting with a happiness now? It's a strange thing. I think, so I'm answering this in a roundabout way, I think... Go for it. What's changed... (laughs) You're a philosopher. We'll we'll indulge you. (laughs) I think what's changed is my my notion of what that happiness is and that it is no thing at all and that I think a lot of my issues came about in life because I was dichotomizing in that way I was going on the one side we have good and bad and on the other side we have bad and we have the right and we have the wrong there's a correct way of doing things in an incorrect way and either I'm happy or I'm sad and I think what I've I'm coming to realize and it's still very much part of the journey that I'm on is that I can find through something that might traditionally be seen as sad and sadness so a period of pain or hardship or and that might be externally inflicted or it might be internal more often than not that's coming from within me because something's not not happy there but even within that there's there is the kernel of something which could grow into something broader than that that allows me to be at peace rather than happy because I think happy is I mean it's a very very relative term I was happy at some of the worst times in my life because yeah. I was doing silly things um, <laughs> yeah, and the, I you really did, was you, you got the adrenaline pumping and you thought the adrenaline rush was happiness exactly yeah, exactly. exactly so 
what I, I guess now, what I'm happy, I can say that today, which is different to how it was in the past, is that I'm, I'm functional on a social level, which I never was. I can entertain goals and ambitions, um, which I never allowed myself to previously. <laughs> Sorry, I heard goals, G-O-R-L-S, and ambitions. I thought, okay, is he being sarcastic? Is he being nasty? <laughs> and then I realized, okay, you said goals. Goals, yes. <laughs> <laughs> for, um, for a minute, my, my head went a completely different way. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that's it. But um, yeah, I think I can, I, I've, it's just a different, I'm kind of on it in a very different realm to one that I ever was or one that I ever thought that I would be in. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. In life, it's always this kind of... I always pursued the very edge of life. Um, I always wanted to be living on that edge because I thought that that was where happiness was and I thought that was where... It, that's... I mean, it's also... Especially, it goes back to my earlier point about um, in the world today, the way that people construct their identities for others on display, it's very easy to think that what you're seeing on the Instagram feed mm. or what you're seeing in somebody's Facebook posts or what's being projected, it's kind of like everybody's celebrities traditionally would have a PR agent or that is everybody's become their own PR agent, yeah. but kind of don't get to see what's behind the scene because that's all that they're, yes. they're trying to show the world. So I think being aware of that, and that's something that I can be drawn into sometimes and kind of I need to on one level for work, uh, but... I also definitely think that a large part of trying to, to move towards, and I found that I've been most content in life when I'm able to let go of that, that stuff. And it kind of comes full circle back to, to what we were saying about um, when you asked me about being out in nature and being at peace. Is when I'm able to let go of that stuff, that, that feeling that I've got to cater to impositions that I think society has put on me which are actually impositions I put on myself mm -hmm. <laughs> as soon as I can let that go I tend towards whatever the notion of happiness is I guess uh, uh, comfortability more with life what I'm hearing is a word you've actually said and that nearly sounds like the are you old enough to remember a movie The Unbearable Lightness of Being yeah I've actually read the Milan Kundera's book is it? Yeah. okay so what I'm hearing you saying is that for you, life has become the contentness of yes. being. Happiness for you is contentness, to yes. be okay where you are, to be okay with, with what is, yeah. to be okay with where you are physically as well as spiritually, as, as well as mentally, as well as physically. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and if you can find contentness there, then you found the happiness. Yeah, that. yeah exactly. That's exactly it. And I, I think it also echoes another book, um, which I think now in uh, pop culture has become quite big. I was actually given it by a family member right around the time where you and I had met and just found it very, very powerful and relevant, um, which is Man's Search for Meaning, the Viktor Frankl book. Okay. And oh, he, wow. That's not easy reading. No, it's heavy reading, but it's, it's definitely... <laughs> you can write a synopsis. I'll read that. The synopsis <laughs> is understandable to Yeah, no, it does. It, it wavers off a little bit in this, but I, I think the central takeaway for me was very much that irrespective of what the conditions are that you're living under. It's not to say that you need to try and alter your conditions if you're in there, if you're able to, um, but there's a way of framing it. It all comes down to the way that we frame yes. our lives. And that contentment, contentness will arise from that framework. So Absolutely. if I'm constantly imposing a framework of negativity and a framework of less than and a framework of not good enough, 
then I find myself in yeah. a discontent and unhappy place. If I'm able to see that, and this is really where I found the most, the, the periods of, of the most spiritual growth in my life have come about where I've been able to, on a day-to-day basis, go when faced with a difficult situation that I otherwise would frame negatively and that I would um, immediately kind of react to and take personally and be sensitive about. If I'm able to, and it's rare, I'm by no means a master at this, if I'm able to look at that uh, situation and go, what is the message, you know, what is the, what is the, how does this fit in in the broader scheme of things? And to just give a little bit of perspective to it, ask that and also ask how important is it really, you know? Yeah, in 10 years' time, how important is this situation? Yeah. Today, yeah, and I think that's also a benefit possibly of getting older. I'm now in my early 30s and that's something I think just that's experience really. And it's not to say that young people don't have that, but the more times that you go through that kind of thing and you, you're able to see that it's relative. Um, that what you deem to be, because I was always, you know, I was the hopeless romantic when I was a teenager, and I was the deep and like, what's the word for it, the kind of brooding, that mm, would describe me perfectly, yes. to a T, I was very brooding, and even today I, I can slip back into it, but I do find that as I'm moving along, I'm kind of letting go of that need to really intensify everything, mm. and sometimes... Uh, and increasingly, I'm finding that I can I can be stuck in a situation. And just recently, one came to mind. One comes to mind is I've been engaged in a romantic involvement and uh, very intense, and as it always is with me. And what kind of had took place is that uh, there was the same predictable behaviour from the other person's side and from my side almost, and getting back into the same path. But then I actually just I just said, you know what I'm. I'm stopping this in its track. I'm not doing it this way again. Um, and then I was almost immediately able to laugh about it. Not laugh about it. Like, you've got to be careful about how you go about that. <laughs> I was definitely, there was an immediate lightness of being, ironically. So it's this, you let go of that, that, need, to, that need to hold on to the unhappy parts mm. of life. And when I'm able to actually focus in on that and do that, I definitely... That's also, that catapults me back towards kind of the source. If yeah. yeah. I used to be, I used to think that cynicism was a part of my intellectuality. Mm. Until I learned fairly recently that cynicism was what contributed to my depression. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. No. And, and I really thought, I really thought cynicism was kind of an intellectual exercise that I played with. What I didn't realize it was it was keeping me in a spiral, yeah. and I needed I needed to break that. Yeah. But Justin, this was absolutely bloody <laughs> awesome. We talked much longer than I thought we would. Idea. Um, but <laughs> time just it? flies when you're having fun. Or as <laughs> yeah. a friend of mine always says, time flies when you're in a coma. Yeah. <laughs> but this was more the having fun part. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank Have you a wonderful me. rest of your afternoon. Thank you. So I really love what I do. I always feel a rush of excitement when I finished chatting to someone for Meet Me in the Field, and I love editing the chats. Reliving those special conversations is such a magic time for me. I am truly jealous of the trips that Justin gets to take for his work, but I want to make it clear, I want the trips, not the hard work that he has to put in to go on the trips. He seems to visit amazing places in nature and post the most beautiful pictures. Those make my toes cool with jealousy. I'm really happy to hear that Justin is content with life and that he seems to enjoy the demands of city and professional life. I wish him all of the best personally, professionally and spiritually. 
may only grow from strength to strength. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za, or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor or Freddy van Rensburg, or on Twitter at, at @rensburgfreddy, or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. I want to thank Justin for his time and for sharing his journey with Meet Me in the Field. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.